Welcome to the Flex Success Podcast, where we teach you how to be less shit. Covering all things science relating to nutrition, training, recovery, and more. Who knows, we might even sprinkle in a dick joke or two. <laughs> hey, YouTubers and podcasters, wherever you're listening to this from. What up? What up? We come to you today with a podcast called Work It In. Working it in, haven't quite decided, one of the two. Work it in, just the tip. <laughs> It's going to be a very saucy <laughs> podcast. No, Juicy. not really. Voice. Mm. Mm, <laughs> Man, if we could make one word illegal, it would definitely be the word moist. I'm really down with the word moist. Mm, I'm not. Or oh, up with it. I <laughs> oh, Actually, better yet, I'm in with it. Oh, my God. Where is this podcast going <laughs> so quickly? We're working it in. I actually, for the Untangling Fat Loss ebook that I wrote, mm-hmm. I have a whole chapter called Moist Stuff. Exactly. You're disgusting. See? <laughs> it's still a gross word. Anyways, Dean, how are I'm, you? I'm very well, all things considered. Oh, yeah? I'm supposed to be sad, but I'm not. Why is that? Nah, it's just, I suppose we always give a bit of an update, but um, for, for podcast upon podcast, I was telling people about my prep. Yes. And I'm going to continue to do it, <laughs> except this time I'm going to tell them it's cancelled. I gave up, I quit, I couldn't handle it. That's not true. Uh, I'm hungry. No, no, we are, for those listening in Australia, you would know, and that follow the bodybuilding industry, you would know that uh, all shows were cancelled for the end of this year. Mm. Uh, for those that are listening in other parts of the world, you now know that all shows are cancelled for the rest of the, unfortunately, due to COVID. So. Mm. Um, and the reason being that they were cancelled? New South Wales have been in lockdown and heavy restricted lockdown for like 10 weeks. Melbourne and, too, right? And yeah, but they don't know if they're going to get out for at least another month. Who, Melbourne or New South Wales? New South Wales at least. I think they've just had it extended for a month. Yeah. So they're going to be like, fuck, man, like three and a half months deep. So they can't travel. So they couldn't do a national show. And then Melbourne went into lockdown after a week of being out of lockdown. And they've been in it now for another four weeks. What a tease. Uh, and they also wouldn't be allowed to travel. So basically like two of the major, three major states where we get bodybuilders from the show. Couldn't like travel a to a comp- facility. Yeah. yeah. Couldn't travel, so they just can them. Mm. But they could have had state shows in Perth and Queensland. Yeah, I would imagine that they're probably so they they, they did a um a questionnaire as to like who was interested to compete. And I'm gonna guess that a bunch of people in different states were like, eh, I'm not gonna risk nationals not being on and probably pulled the pin, which means the state shows are too small to make money. I'm gonna guess that bodybuilding shows are still a money-making business. That's and what I just said. because did you? I just said that. They probably pulled them because there wouldn't be enough competitors in the state shows. To right, right, right. No, but the what the point I was making is they would make a big chunk of their money from um, entry tickets from people watching in the audience, and because bodybuilding shows are indoor events, they would have huge restrictions on the amount of people that are able to watch, aka pay for an entry ticket, um, and it probably doesn't outweigh their expenses then. Also, that too, yeah, mm. they're all encompassing, you know. Yeah. So yeah, shows shows are cancelled. That's a um, You're only seven weeks out. Seven weeks out from the first show, eleven from the second, and they've moved the season A shows. Uh, so we have two seasons in Australia: A and B. A at the start of the year, B at the end of the year. Surprise! surprise. Very confusing. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. And surprisingly, on a forum with Joe, the British guys had no idea what the fuck I was talking about. When what I said do they season call their season seasons? B. They just start calling the shows. What do you I think because they have mid-years as well, whereas we don't really have mid-year shows. Oh, they So they just say, like, oh, the show's at the start of the year. And the, middle the middle of the year, year. And then the end of the year, yeah. Obviously, they would have an A, B, and C season. Idiots. I mean, that makes sense. Um, yeah, I don't know why I'm saying. But, uh, <laughs> oh, season A has been moved back at least a month compared to normal, so. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. What about you? What's going on? What's the news? Uh, it's news with me. Well, 
uh, as you know, Dean, I'm not sure if, I think I've mentioned it on the podcast before. I've moved away after years and years of working with people one-on-one. I've moved away from that and I'm still doing consultations and writing books and blogs and columns and all that stuff, but I'm moving into course education. And we just wrapped up, well, by the time this gets released, it would have wrapped up like two or three weeks ago, um, the cut, the first round of Cut, Gain, Maintain, the e-course. And I had a number in mind of how many students I wanted for this course. Um, and we doubled it, yeah. <laughs> which is so great. And I loved the interaction. We had a, an assessment portion of the course where people were able to receive a certificate of completion at the end. And heaps of people engaged with that and received their certificate. Um, there's so many lessons I learned for things that I might be able to express more clearly next time. Mm. Um, I'm looking forward to receiving feedback from my students on what they found really clear. So that's really exciting. That wrapped up. And um, I'm looking forward to going through another round of this course with a new round of students before the end of the year. I'm thinking November 1, maybe. We'll see. Yeah, help people come in to get that uh, diabod for yeah. summer bod, sorry. Diabod. Do you feel um, super mature calling, you say, my students? Not really, because I've said my clients first since I was 18. So not really. Yeah, but when I think of a student, I think of as a professor. And then when I think of a professor, I think of like a dude who looks like Albert Einstein. Yeah. I hear, but no, because I, I, a huge <laughs> part of my role as a coach is an educator. So I've always felt like my clients are kind of my students. Well, fine. Just let this podcast discussion fall flat. Dean. So sorry to disappoint you. I mean, I did feel weird calling um, the black belts at jiu-jitsu professor because that was always reserved for my university professors. Do you have a PhD? No, you don't. Well, they do in jits, really. Years. Probably studied for longer than the professors. But they don't actually study. Like, they've choked a lot. I'm not saying they don't deserve the title. Like, obviously, black belts work super hard and they do it for a long period of time. is, is, Is physical practice... Of technique, not a form of study. It's just that it's ah, uh, yeah. And like if they watch video, yeah, yeah, sure. They're like they're they're, like they're studying like the movement and mm. yeah, yeah, sure. But they're not being assessed or anything. They haven't. Pa- well, I guess they've passed things by their gradings and anyway. It sounds like we're coming full circle to you agreeing with <laughs> the professors. I don't know, Dean. And I mean, if you don't, they'll probably check you out. So you probably should. <laughs> I agree. Agree. I'm so sorry. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, that's what's happening with me. That's cool. what's happening with you. And that's what's happening with Flex pretty much too. But we don't know whether you'll be competing in Australia or the UK in season A next year. Hey. No, it'll, um, no. All right. So <laughs> wrap up quick summary for those of you that don't follow our personal social media. And I'm not even sure how much of it we've shared. Our dog Ruben was already in palliative care for his kidney failure. What? It's just funny calling it palliative care. Oh. It is true. That's so funny. Our dog's dying. Yeah. <laughs> um, why is that weird? I just never thought of palliative care because he's at home. He's not actually at in palliative care. Okay. Anyways. Um, and he's 15, so we already knew his days were limited. And then um, recently I was like, oh, something's going on with his wee. Is there blood in there? So I took him to the vets. Long story short, he has bladder cancer, which is absolutely devastating. Um, and because he's so old, they've, the vets have suggested that we don't treat it. Um, surgically. Surgically or like with chemo or mm. anything like that um, because of his age and he probably won't survive a surgery and all of that stuff. So we know that his days are extra, extra limited. And so if Ruben, our dog, passes away soon, we'll go 
to the UK. Yeah, so like again, like part of our life uh, journey has been that we've always wanted to live off the laptops and spend three months in different countries at a time around the world and yeah. continue doing what we're doing, including podcasts. Yeah. So, um, but it's always been dependent on when we didn't have Ruben, obviously. Yeah, yeah. Can't do that with Mr. Rube Dog. So, depending on when he passes and also when the availability of semi-free travel out of Australia becomes available, depending on what like exemptions we require in that to leave. Um, our intention is to shoot off overseas somewhere. And that somewhere is going to be the UK because that's where Dean wants to do his competitions because he, Dean, has been working really, because a lot of people, you know, kind of live this, a semi-comfortable bodybuilding lifestyle and then go really hard 16 weeks before the competition. Dean's been going really hard for at least a year, maybe longer, a year and a half. 56th uh, week checking this week. Oh, is it? Yeah. Um, and so it was a real shame for these comps to be cancelled because this has been like a long, felt like a really long slog. And um, I, yeah, it was going to be a bit of a last hurrah. Like mm. I would compete, I would compete in a new division, hang up the boots. Ruben wouldn't be around anymore. We'd be able to travel. I wouldn't have to worry about bodybuilding because that's sort of set. You'd done. still train. You just wouldn't uh, be absolutely. competitive. Yeah. Just for me to be competitive in the under a hundred, it requires a significant amount of food and a lot of training. Mm. And then there's the supplementation to consider as well. Um, you know, and, and doing that while traveling is difficult. So, yeah. Yeah. So you're going to hang out the boots. So it's, it's a real shame that this was canceled because now we might be traveling while Ruben, uh, has gone to dog heaven. Definitely don't believe in heaven. Definitely do believe in dog heaven. Um, so, which is, yeah, why, why the UK will probably work out. But if, I mean, Ruben hangs on longer than anyone's expecting, we're thinking like a hundred days. Um, then yeah. yeah, that's what we're doing. If yeah, if Ruben hangs on longer, you'll do Australian competitions. Yeah, there's really three options. Option one is. Uh, if Ruben passed pre-Christmas and we were allowed overseas, we'd go then. Then we'd, oh, or, or we would potentially go then, or we would do like a Winnebago around Australia. Right? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, option two would be that if he passes early in the year, I might just we might just go straight to the UK and just do the UK shows only. If he's still hanging ten around like March, April, <laughs> then we'll probably do the Australian show and then shoot off and do the UK show if he's not around. If he's around, then I'll just do the Australian show. Look, so many options. It's it's all dependent on what Ruben wants to do. Dean, actually, speaking of Ruben, before we actually get to the content of this podcast, um, had a really creative idea. Dean, look, is not the most creative guy. Definitely not a bone of spontaneity in him. But he just thought... Not even a hair. You, you tell uh, the listeners, Dean, what you thought of. Look, I don't know if this was... So most of the time, dur during contest preps, there's this... I don't even know what the phenomena is called. There is a name for it, but I forget it. Whereby you're so deprived of excitement all the time because you food and you low body fat and all that stuff. Is that a lot of people seek uh, fleeting happiness and that sort of dopamine surge by buying lots of shit. <laughs> you know, whether they're buying delicious foods that they can't eat that makes them feel good momentarily, or they're buying they're shoes, buying it for like later to eat. Or like one of Joe's coaches bought a Porsche. Two of them. <laughs> two of them bought a Porsche. Did they? Yeah. Um, one of them legitimately loves cars though and should have. Okay. But anyway, I was like, oh, I'm a bit jealous of Liz's mustache tattoo. I think it's quite fun. I have a mustache tattooed on the inside of my index finger, yeah. like a child. Mm, it's uh, fun. And I was like, you know, good on Liz for being spontan spontaneous. I was going to say spontaneous, but I fucked it up. <laughs> yes. Um, I should do that a little bit more. I was like, oh, maybe I feel like I'll get my first tattoo. Did I encourage it, did I? There was a little bit of that, but there was also maybe I think I might have been looking for some of this fleeting excitement, right? Okay. And then I thought, actually, nah, I think I actually legitimately want to. I always love tattoos. I just never know what I wanted. Okay. And then I said to you, do you want to get like a bit of a funny small tattoo? And then we said, oh, maybe we should get one for Ruben. 
And I said, well, I don't really want a typical dog tattoo that everyone gets. Let's get something funny like a Reuben sandwich. And His thus, name is Reuben. For those that are on YouTube, I got a Reuben sandwich tattooed on my hand and Liz got a Reuben, the same Reuben sandwich tattooed on her elbow. The back of the my, back of a like tricep, tricep, realistically. Yeah. So here's me to YouTube giving you a thumbs up. Okay, YouTube, look closer. It's, eventually, so this is the thing, right? Like you, so it's, it's a sandwich got a gherkin with gherkin on top. Yeah, but the gherkin eventually is going to look like a poo. <laughs> it's a, it's, a, it's going to be a poo with a toothpick in it. But I'm okay with it, you know. Anyway, I love this thing because every time I walk Reuben and I look down on my left hand, there's me, his lead, and then my Reuben's. Your Reuben's hand. Every time I eat it, and I realize that when I talk to you people. Eat what? Uh, every time I eat, I see it on my hand. And every time I talk to people on consults, I stroke my left beard, my beard with my left hand, I've noticed. Your left so, beard. Yeah, my left beard. So my uh, my Reuben hand is always facing forward. So I get constant reminders of it, which I think is awesome. I think that's beautiful, Dean. I love the idea. We actually rocked up to the tattoo artist being like, yeah, we want a Reuben sandwich tattoo. Is that cool? Do you have like an image of what you want? And we're like, no. Well, Google it, bro. So he just we just Googled it on the spot, and we ended up using the sandwich emoji as the main inspiration for the bread, for the for the ball, like for the angle and mm. the shape and everything. And he just added more meat in the middle and chucked a poo yeah. gherkin on top. I wanted a color one so I could get a big juicy red Reuben, but um, he it wasn't possible. It wasn't possible because it's too small. And then yeah, we had our first Reuben. No, I didn't. Liz had her first Reuben sandwich on the weekend, and she loved it. It was great. Delicious. Now before we bore everyone. <laughs> Because I think maybe we care most about our travel and tattoos. <laughs> I don't know. People, people love food. <laughs> we'll get into the actual meat and veg of today. So we're going to slip it in, was it? We're going to no, work no, it in. Maybe we should call it slip it in. Just the shall we, shall we, no, should we call the podcast <laughs> how to slip it in? No, work it in. I like work it in. Okay. Well, when you, well, you've already started listening to this podcast. If we went for slip it in, give us a thumbs up, share it. If we went for work it in, tell us if we should have used slip it in. Mm, give us a thumbs down. Mm. Tag us in it with a thumbs About down. About a five-star review, of course. Um, okay, so today's podcast about slipping it in, working it in, whatever we're going for. Mm. Now, there's a lot of things that we need to consider when we have physique goals, whether that's building muscle or losing fat or you know regaining health, feeling more energetic. We need to consider various elements within nutrition. We need to consider various elements within movement and, and recovery is really important as well. And we all have busy lives and current routines and work, maybe kids or friends or people who rely on us, maybe study, pulling us in all sorts of directions. So how do we add these things on top of our already busy lives? Yeah. It's very difficult to do. So instead, what we're suggesting is instead of adding it on top, we work it into our lives. Um, and we wanted to split these up into three categories and just make it really clear the lowest hanging fruits for most people. Obviously, what you need is different to what I need, but most people, for whatever their goal is, require within nutrition a calorie-controlled diet. If you're trying to gain weight, it's a calorie surplus, more than you need to maintain. If you need fat loss, a calorie-controlled diet will mean a calorie deficit. We also require sufficient protein, whether you're trying to cut, gain, or maintain. That's important in every phase. Yeah. Uh, and then as well as calorie control, sufficient protein, we also need a sufficient amount of plant food. Um, going off Australian government guidelines, the five and two, five serves of veg, we can round that up to 400 grams of veg a day. And two serves of fruit, we can round that to, well, it's not really rounded, is it? It's exactly 300 mm -hmm. grams of fruit. If we're talking fresh or frozen, if we're talking, you know, dried fruit, 30 grams as a serve. If we're talking 
100 fruit juice 125 mils as a serve but anyway it's just talking about fresh or frozen fruit mm-hmm. 400 veg 300 um fruit, fruit. so we'll talk about so these movement. are sort of minimum expected requirements of all individuals regardless if they're trying to cut gain or maintain that we need to be able to work into their daily habits mm-hmm. calorie control exactly calorie control sufficient protein and enough fruit and veg um and that is because you know fiber is really important and that comes from plant food plants being fruit and veg there's other types of plant food as well mm-hmm. we also need micronutrients um and you know that's very dense in fruit and veg so they also are low in energy density or low in calories. So they help keep us fuller for longer, for fewer calories. So there's lots of reasons why we'd be, want to eat fruit and veg. Mm. We'll talk about movement and recovery later, but would you agree there are the three main components people need to focus on? Yeah. Protein, Protein calories, calories, nutrients, nutrients, micronutrients specifically in this instance. Mm. Absolutely. Regardless of where they're at. Mm-hmm. And they become potentially like either more important or increasingly more difficult to get in depending on the cut game maintain approach. Mm-hmm. So like sometimes people may complain about micronutrients being more difficult to get in because the calorie density of a diet in a, in a surplus might be like something that they're working on. E.g. they, they haven't eaten so much food, they have to take out fruits and vegetables because the density of them is so low, uh, but we're going to have uh, some ways to work that in. Mm-hmm. And then vice versa, People who are just like, I've got a busy lifestyle. How do I get it in? We're going to figure out how to work them into. Yeah, yeah, exactly. All right. So keeping a calorie controlled diet, we're we're just talking about ways to work that into your existing life. Maybe you're super busy and you're buying food out all the time or you just kind of like throw something together in the morning. So the things that Dean and I find really helps us stay on top of that and just work calorie control into our diet um, is routine and preparation mm-hmm. so i just have toast and coffee in the morning i don't really start eating until 10 then 2 then 4 then 7 i have four meals a day give or take half an hour it might be 9 30 because i'm absolutely starving by eight um you know it might be 10 30 something like that because a, a call a consultation call in overtime or something mm-hmm. so so there's a bit of wiggle room but generally speaking i just stick to a regular routine i know when i'm going to eat it makes it easier i don't have to think as much there's no decision fatigue um, I also, well, both of us stay very prepared with our food. Um, it doesn't mean that absolutely everything is prepared in advance, but rather there's always fruit in the fridge that we can go and grab, or there's three different types of meat and we can just decide on the spot which one we want to use based off what we feel like. Or there's almost always at least one of them cooked. Mm. You know, it's very, and, and then if we don't, we'll have something like eggs available or whey. Yeah. You know, so like, I think the greatest barrier to entry for people to make good health centric food choices, especially around protein is that it's a time, um, like a, it's a time sink. Yeah. It is a time sink to cook up meat. Yeah. To clean it, to prep it. And it's not shelf stable usually. Like carbs, you can buy some crackers or Mm. there's like, or a packet rice. Yeah, but the the work it in here on the protein is to at least have at least one protein cooked at all times. Yeah. And then to have some available proteins that aren't so t- much of a time sink. So this could be something like jerky, jerky, high protein yogurt, high protein yogurt, low fat ham, mm-hmm. uh, whey protein. Yeah. So protein powder, we don't think of as a supplement. We think of protein powder as a food source. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's also a great opportunity cheap. to make a protein meal that is typically difficult to get protein in if you don't have the time. So like, like protein most, pancakes? Yeah, like most people don't want to make 
omelets every morning, mm-hmm. you know? And they think, like, what else can I eat for breakfast? You're like, well, you can have chicken. And they're like, I can't have chicken for breakfast. I just remembered you know? this. Are you so have chicken for breakfast? I do because I like meat at all times. Mm-hmm. But most people, I would say, have been conditioned to not accept meat as a breakfast item. Except ham. Except for bacon yeah. and eggs, mm-hmm. of which are calorically quite dense. So in a calorie-controlled environment, maybe not the greatest choice for some people. Unless you're going egg whites. Yeah, so, so one thing I used to do for breakfast um, when I was – having protein powder first thing in the morning was uh, you're going to laugh at this. You would probably use some fancy shot of coffee, but I just did a teaspoon of instant coffee mm-hmm. um, with a scoop of vanilla protein powder, a bunch of ice, or sometimes I would use frozen banana instead and water and blend it up. And it makes just like an iced coffee. Yeah. And the protein powder is like this sweet vanilla taste with the coffee, sometimes the banana included, or swap that out for frozen strawberries. Yeah, like banana that. and coffee definitely was different. Man, it was so but delicious. Yeah, I think in the uh, the research actually refer to these as opportunities to feed, I think. Um, I think I've heard someone talk about that in this industry. I'm not familiar with that. And it's basically that when there's an opportunity for you to feed, take protein and do that. Mm -hmm. Because we know, like we've talked about here, is that protein calorie control are the two primary uh, things we're looking here outside of micronutrients. So most people don't have the opportunity to feed for a long period of time or prep for a long period of time in the morning because they are busy. So if you have that opportunity to feed, take an option that you can work in like a protein powder. Do a protein coffee. Perfect Mm -hmm. choice. Yeah. Or the night before, if you can have a little bit more routine, that might be like the protein oats. Yeah. Or it might be like the high protein yogurt mixed with a little bit of whey protein. Mm. You know, you there's can do so overnight. many things that you can take for an opportunity to feed in the morning when otherwise you would typically not go for protein. I quite like to make, um, I have a recipe for it in the Untangling Fatless ebook, um, breakfast egg muffins. Mm. So they keep in the fridge for a few days. They're delicious. It's mainly egg whites and like peas and zucchini, maybe some low fat cheese, some ham, bake it in the oven in muffin tins. And then just whack that in the microwave in the morning. And another way to work it in is Bob's your uncle. Portion control. Mm-hmm. You know, that's the other great way to work in things like this is that you've got portion controlled protein feedings here. Oh, right, right, right. You know, yeah. As opposed to like sitting there, like, again, most people get the bowl out, they fill the bowl of yogurt. They're like, you really need a whole bowl. Yeah. You know, so like this is another smart way to do it is that to, to work in, say, protein feedings that are otherwise like difficult to, to um, manage in ways, like maybe we might use, say, a cup or a jar, a mason jar or something for like the, the protein oats so it's not so big. Mm, stuff yeah. it full of berries. Yeah. Or you're going to do the muffin protein veggies, veggie dominant. Yeah, heaps of shredded zucchini, maybe mm-hmm. some capsicum, things like that. Yeah, so the point is you're going to eat breakfast anyways or you're going to eat at some point in the day. You may as well work some protein into it. Mm. It's going to support your goals, help you stay full for longer, help you either maintain lean mass if you're in a cut or or build lean mass if you're in a gain or maintain mm-hmm. lean mass if you're in a maintenance phase. So work it in. Just work some protein in. Be prepared. Um, be selective with what you choose. Now, part of making good nutrition easy as well for us is environment design. So that means that successful people spend less time in tempting situations. And I have some friends that are like, wow, you're so good. You must have really strong willpower. Like, I don't know, maybe, but I'm just not tempted that often because I don't keep chips in front of me. It's not the first thing I see when I go into the kitchen. I prefer, I I can say no to ice cream if I want to, but I prefer not to keep ice cream in the house because it just- In a tub format at least. In a tub. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. We've got like single serve ones that doesn't tempt me as much. Um, or even if it does, it's controlled. Yeah, that's you true. have to forcibly open two packets to yeah. blow the bank. <laughs> yeah, 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 totally. So when I open the fridge, what I see is, you know, 
apples and veggie sticks that I've cut up previously, some low calorie dips, the meat that we've prepared, you know, those um, breakfast protein muffins. Mm -hmm. So I don't have things in my environment that are constantly triggering me to eat this chocolate, eat these chips, eat these ice creams. I don't have to use willpower all the time because we've set up our environment to be Mm. conducive to our goals. Yeah, the other thing too, like this is taking it to another level, but if you have somewhat of an organised fridge where it says, you know, like not where it says, but where it's dedicated areas to dedicated things. So like we have the crispers down the bottom that are obviously fruits and vegetables. Most of the time our first shelf has got like pre-prepared meals and containers. The second shelf has meats that can be cooked. Yeah. And then the top shelves are like condiments and stuff like that. Ruben's food. You know, so like if if you know like, oh, I'm quite hungry and I want to work in, you know, calorie-controlled approach, what can I have? If you know the crisper is full of particular things that are not energy dense, that are micronutrient dense, you still want to hit your five and two and control your calories. It just means that you can go to that fridge. It's already worked into your thought mm-hmm. process. That's another way you can even just work this in. It's just having some organization to your pantry and to your fridges. Mm. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Environment design. It's a wonderful Envi- thing. We did a whole episode on environment design. Mm. Go and check that out. Did we call it environment design? I think we might I'm have. Not sure. I think we did. What other ways do we work this in? Like, we're always on the lookout for like low-cal options to put in our fridge or to, to swap out current higher calorie options. Yeah, like if a new barbecue sauce comes out, I like to think of sauces as one calorie per mil is considered in my mind a low-calorie source. Mm-hmm. I love teriyaki, but they typically seem to be really dense in calories, which is perfectly fine for you, Dean, because you have much higher calorie needs than me. Um, but for me, my calorie needs are, well, I, I feel like they're mm. pretty low. Um, especially if I'm, I'm in a cut. So, yeah, I'm looking for sources that are one calorie per meal, so for 100 meals, 100 calories or less. Um, I also make sure that the way I think about food isn't encouraging feelings of hyper-restriction where I'm kind of setting up in my mind that this food is good and this food is bad and oh, I'm so restricted and then I kind of like I'm let off the leash and I have these cheats. So rather what I do is set myself an amount of discretionary calories every day. It might, depending on what phase I'm in, you know, on average call it 300 calories, might have a hundred calories worth of something on top of my meals and regular fruit snacks, whatever. Something, Uh, you know, after something, AKA chocolate after lunch. And then I might have 200 calories worth of whatever I feel like at the end of the day for dessert, Mm -hmm. usually some sort of granola. Yeah. They're usually like a non macronutrient specific snack. Oh, it's just, yeah, I can yeah. spend them on all fats if I want, or all carbs if they don't have to be. Whatever. Or mayonnaise. I probably wouldn't eat just mayonnaise. Would, except for Kewpie mayonnaise. <laughs> but I could. Kewpie's pretty good. But it is true. Like, again, you're like working this thing, you look in our fridge, most of our sauces and condiments are all very low calories. We're talking mustards and, you know, sugar-reduced barbecue sauces. Yeah. Uh, Ajvar, for anyone who isn't familiar with that, or Ivar, which is like a capsicum. Even just like elish, lemon juice, lemon balsamic juice, vinegar. Balsamic vinegar, yeah, all great options using spray oils even for cooking as opposed to olive oils out of the jar. Yeah. Um, like there's so many ways that you can manipulate your environment and your your availability for choices that help you work in a lower calorie environment. If you need yeah, to. yeah. So if you are someone, just before we move on to movement, if you are someone who feels like, well, I don't know how to get my calories lower and I am eating out all the time, maybe working on setting up a better routine and being more prepared with your food is going to be really yeah. helpful. Uh, and having delicious lower calorie or higher calorie, depending on what your needs are, um, options in your pantry, in your fridge, and removing 
trigger foods from your eyesight. So thinking about your environment design and how you can control your surroundings uh, to help you eat in a way that aligns with your goals where you're not having to use your willpower all the time. Yeah. I also think setting up your um, your thought process around how you put a meal together is probably a good idea. How so? Uh, like if you're in, if you're looking for a calorie controlled environment whereby you need to keep calories low, you should always be opting to see, think, what protein do I require in this meal? What vegetables will I add? Then do I need additional? Yeah. So you want to set up, you want to set up that protein plus five and two approach as your primary objective. If you're in the opposite end of the spectrum though, and you're trying to work vegetables and fruits into your diet, but you're so full from eating so many calories, it's not an excuse not to get them in because we still require them. Think about ways to get them into your diet that you don't notice them. So like Wilts two, spinach. two great ones, well, yeah, I think it's a good one. It was wilting spinach as a, a vegetable. You can even put spinach in um, like fruit juice shakes mm-hmm. and you can obviously put your fruits in there. Uh, another great one is to bake a bunch of vegetables and blend them with passata or um, tin tomatoes to make them as sauces to go on top of pastas and rices. Mm-hmm. Um, and then just maybe swapping some of your fresh or frozen fruit for dry fruit. Yeah, you can, you know, hide veggies into mm. sauces as well, like maybe cauliflower rice through a bolognese sauce. Um, yeah, a great way to do even for the lower calorie approach then too, because you, you'll get more volume out of that sauce. Yeah, that's true. You know, without having to add, or even you might go 50-50 rice with cauliflower rice for somebody who's looking for the calorie control. Yeah, amount. totally. And they don't like just all cauliflower rice. Or yeah. you've done in the past, 50-50 zucchini shredded in water with um with pasta, like spaghetti. In water? Yeah, like you quick boil, quick blanch. Do we blanch no, it? I don't actually. Oh, okay. I just um, do zoodles raw because mm. I find like the hot sauce on top kind of makes yeah. it soft enough. Yeah, 50-50 pasta zoodles. So it's so easy to work veggies in and make them seem like they're also part of the spaghetti or muschetti, as some would say. <laughs> Who says muschetti? <laughs> yeah, weirdo. Yeah. Um, right, working yeah. in movement. Working in movement. So the important aspects of movement is your formal training sessions at the gym and daily steps, right? Maybe it might be your the daily activity. Sorry? Daily activity, that's cool. Not specifically steps, but rather just movement in general. Yeah, but we capture that in steps. That is true. If you're going to at least regulate and control it and understand how many steps you should do each day, then yes, for sure. Mm. My bad. Um, That's okay. Maybe we're just thinking about the same thing Mm. differently. Um, So when I was doing jujitsu, for example, I was doing bare minimum um, three weight training sessions a week plus four jujitsu sessions a week. But now that I've put jujitsu behind me, which is not something I think I've spoken about on this podcast, maybe the next guestless podcast, I'll tell you why I've done that. Now that it's just weights training, it's four sessions a week for me plus 8,000 steps a day. That's mm-hmm. my bare minimum. Dean, yours is different again. 10K, same thing. 10,000 steps a day and five training sessions. Five training sessions. sessions. Right. So we would, we're trying to work that into our life. So it doesn't feel like we've got this hectic life and then we're trying to work eight or 10,000 steps in and four or five training sessions in. Mm. So yeah, like as a reference, like 10,000 steps, if you were to do this formally, would be roughly like a hundred minutes of power walking. Mm-hmm. So like outside of daily activity, which also includes steps, you might have to do like 60 minutes of controlled walking to hit 10,000 steps, mm. which isn't, it's not small, but it's also not crazy large. Now, because both of us have worked movement into our day-to-day life, um, very rarely do we need to go for a walk to hit our minimum daily step target. Which is a punish. And Okay, so maybe you can tell us how do you walk steps into your day-to-day life? So prior to contest prep, my average steps were between three and 7,000. That's pathetic. 3,000 on the days that I didn't walk over, uh-huh. 7,000 on the days that I did. Uh-huh. 
Um, when prep came around and I really just wanted to keep food a little bit higher and maintain a little bit of a better activity um, sort of uh, approach, I've decided to walk to the gym instead of ride to the gym. So I used to ride my bike there. So that was some activity, but instead of doing that on the bike, which is you know, not all that much faster, we live maybe what, Columbia? kilometer and a half away from, from the gym. So I walk to and from the gym every day of the week now, no matter what, rain, hail or shine. Um, and that gets me around about... Four thousand? Four-ish thousand steps, yeah. Yeah. I walk Ruben at least once a day. You walk him once a day as well, so he gets a double walk per day. And that usually gets me anywhere between two and four thousand. Yeah. And then you so, might do the grocery shopping, catch up with a friend for a walk. Uh, pick up the rest in miscellaneous. Yeah. So what we're trying to get across here is it's not like at the end of a long day, we're like, oh, still six thousand steps to do, got to go for a walk. We're walking to the gym, so it doesn't feel like a punish. It doesn't feel like a chore. We're walking as a means to an end. Mm. Or we, we need to walk the dog because Ruben requires his exercise, right? Um, I also require that mental break after doing a, a bout of work. Mm. You know, so like that walk is typically some music or something like that. Or for those that watch, I do Q&A sometimes for people as well as on social media. So it's both mm. productive in my output. It's worked into my life mm. and uh, it achieves my steps as well. Yeah. If I ever... Uh, do feel like I'm going to fall short on my steps. Um, but, I, you know, I have planned to call a friend and see how she's doing with this or that. Or uh, maybe there's a book that, an audio book that I'm nearly at the end of that I want to listen to. I'll go for a walk while I chat to a girlfriend or I'll, um, when I say girlfriend, I'm cheating on you. Mm-hmm. I have a girlfriend. <laughs> so Isn't that weird? You wouldn't call your male friends your boyfriends? No, my mate friend. <laughs> Did you? I, I spoke to my boyfriend. What? Yeah. Anyways, um, or while I'm listening to the end of an audiobook or a podcast that I really want to catch up on, something I'll go for a walk. Mm-hmm. And um, I really enjoy it. It's it's a non-distracting way to move my body so I can fully engage in the podcast or the book or my friend uh, and yeah. get movement in at the same time. So it doesn't take any extra time to do it. We work it in. Yeah. Another easy one is to work some additional steps in during your training session. I do that regularly, Mm -hmm. you know, Uh, when I was trying to get to like more of like the 11,000, just to sort of buffer myself in case I was a little bit short on another day and I only did 9,000. Usually I'd just get up in between my sets. I've got at least two minutes between sets. Walk around. There's at least, you know, 150 steps I can get in to do that, you know, 10 to 15 sets. There's 1500 steps done in a workout and it's not, I don't even know what's happened. Mm -hmm. Uh, Even simple things like when I put weights away, I'll put one away at a time instead of two away at a time. Mm -hmm. So I have to do it twice a walk, you know? Yeah. I mean, that stuff is kind of the cherry on top of the cake because that's only going to get you a few hundred steps maybe. Yeah. It all adds up though, you know, like sometimes when I'm like really conscious of, when I think about steps and activity for the means of maintaining a calorie output, if I just think, how can I unhack my current behaviors a little bit? Because most people are seeking efficiency, right? Mm-hmm. I was like, how can I unhack it just a small percentage? And it honestly will pick me up one or 2,000 steps a day without me even thinking. Okay. You know, yeah. but the moment that I let my body tell me what to do or my mind, I lose 2,000. And I do get to the end of the day and I'm like, hey, Liz, I'm going to go for a 15-minute walk. Maybe you can vacuum the house more often. That'll get you some steps. <laughs> no. we got a, we got a, we got a, a robot genie. We, we no, don't no. do that. I think you missed the vacuuming this weekend, Dean. That's not true. Did you vacuum? I vacuumed this weekend and I also vacuumed yesterday. Oh, I'm so sorry. Um, you know what happens, guys, is we live with a dirty person, Ruben and I, <laughs> and it means I'm we have to dirty. vacuum more free. I'm an, she, I- she chops She chops vegetables in the kitchen like Edward Scissorhand chops hair. <laughs> it's fucking wild. I'm a messy cook. That's it. Yeah, and then we walk in and out of the kitchen all day long because I eat so much. The food goes everywhere. Bite me. Okay. 
You brought it up, not me. Now, because I don't like to be criticised, we're going to move on. Criticised? Criticize. I'd like to criticise you, but I don't like <laughs> to be criticised in return. We'll summarise nutrition and movement. We'll move on to recovery. So we've got ways to uh, manage a calorie-controlled diet, eat sufficient protein, and get sufficient plant food in, fruit yep. and veg. And then we've got movement. This is making sure you're getting your daily steps in. That can be however you want, walking with friends, you probably don't have to think about it too much if you have an active job, but if you have a desk job or you're sitting down for most of the day, mm-hmm. maybe you do need to work some activity in. Now, and it's also less likely going to be less, um, again, this is a smaller barrier to entry and less uh, impactful on your life than thinking about doing 60 minutes or 20 minutes or 10 minutes of cardio. You know, don't formalize your, your output when you can just work it into your life and not have to think about it. Yeah, I think that's called having an active lifestyle. Mm. Uh, okay, so with recovery, there's lots of things we could talk about, maybe like supplementation and float tanks and stress management, and it may or may not be relevant to you. But the one thing that is going to make the biggest difference that most people fuck up is adequate sleep. Mm-hmm. So that's what we're going to talk about. Athletes need more. So if you're maybe you're not a competitive athlete, maybe you are, but most of us who listen to this podcast, our audience seem to be people who train like athletes. Therefore, they need to recover like one. Um, so I put seven plus down, but it might be maybe more like nine plus for you if your training output is really high, mm-hmm. especially if your input, if your uh, calorie consumption is low, if you're in a cut. Well, kind of always, isn't it? Because when... Yeah, it sucks. So in a cut, it's so hard to sleep because you're so sympathetic. Well, with if you're, yeah. you know, at the pointy end, maybe. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, at all times, it's definitely better to sleep more than it is to sleep less. That's not, that's, un, you know, non-deniable. Non-deniable. Yeah, I know. Un- as soon as it came out of my mouth, I was like, God damn it. I love it. All right. You just snorted though. So <laughs> I'm so funny. okay with that. <laughs> not even embarrassed. <sighs> not a good laugh? <laughs> okay. So we're going to talk about ways that you can uh, get a better sleep and what seems to work for us and most of our clients is a good wind down routine um, and also setting a regular sleep and wake cycle. Yeah. Yeah. I like the way Brandon put it on our podcast a couple of numbers back, which was fix your bookends. Fix your bookends. Yeah. So like start of the day and the end of the day, like mm-hmm. what are you doing to set yourself up for success in that particular period? So mm. in this instance, we're going to the, at the end of the day. Yep. And a lot of people just fucking try and fall into bed and hope that it works. Yeah, well, they stay stimulated through, you know, screens or stimulating music or having stressful conversations right before bed, maybe watching thriller movies or something and then trying to get to sleep while their mind is racing. Playing shooting games. Yeah, just, so a good wind-down routine would be to kind of live in, in dim lighting, go turn some lights off, maybe leave a hallway light on, something like that. Avoid blue lights an hour or two before bed. Mm-hmm. Um, you could avoid caffeine mm-hmm. after well, six hours, ideally. Yeah, ideally. Um, you could also think about doing some relaxing activities. It might be journaling or meditating. And if that's too airy-fairy for you, give it a go anyways because it really does work. Or read a book. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe have some tea and just some time to process without screens and conversations and Instagram. Just fuck, turn it off. No <laughs> one's going to die if you turn Instagram off for a little while. But, yeah, the point here is to work better sleeping we're trying to set up like routines in the one to three hours preceding intended sleep Mm -hmm. 
in order to make sure that the sleep is good quality here. Yeah, so if you want to go to bed by 10 o'clock, start winding down by 8.30, mm. you know. Don't hit 10 o'clock and be like, all right, better turn the screen off and stop yelling at my missus and <laughs> watching horror movies. <laughs> yeah, like we have a real, like it, uh, we are by no means like super boring in routine, but we have a relatively fairly consistent routine at nighttime mm-hmm. in that, you know, we'll have dinner while we watch some telly. Um, telly. I don't know if I'm okay with saying that. We don't even really watch. We watch the TV. We don't watch television shows. We always have a show that we pick and we only ever watch one episode typically or 40 minutes tops. Um, And then usually after, and that's when we'd have dessert. And then usually, yeah, it's a wind down. You'll be in bed reading a book. I'll be showering and whatever else. Whatever else. What does that mean? What do you get up to? Shaving my scrotum. (laughs) I don't know. Um, or it'll be me or I'll be finishing off my final meal of the day because usually I like to leave that relatively late because that doesn't make me sleep better because I'm hungry mm-hmm. um, and then yeah I'll spend the last 15 minutes sort of just chilling nothing on screens yep sometimes a book for you too book for me as well yeah yeah um, so like, yeah we have like a fairly consistent routine so like as the night progresses and the show ends and my cream of rice ends it's like my brain is saying it's shutdown time it's shutdown time yep. and we just work that into our life so that we know that when we get to bed then it's sleep time yeah uh, and I cannot stress the importance of setting a similar sleep and wake time even on Sundays even on holidays yeah you know there might everything in moderation even moderation right so like New Year's Eve you don't have to be in bed by 10 give or take half an hour but for the most part you know bar the exceptions of a couple of times a year like a, a big Saturday night out occasionally or something like that we want to be getting into these routines so we feel sleepy when it's sleep time we feel awake when it's awake time and we can get up and be productive and prepare our food and be our best selves and train and yeah. recover and do all the things we want to do we want to feel good while we do these things we don't want to be dragging our feet and we can only do that when we do pick at the low-hanging fruits and we are doing the important things mm. And so hopefully this podcast has outlined within the category of nutrition and movement and recovery, what those important things are and how you can work it into your daily routine. Um, yeah. so, so, just, so just for clarification, the mm-hmm. sleep time we're talking about like a plus or minus 30 minutes. Mm. So like if, if you say you wanted to be asleep at 8.30, you're going to try and be asleep. Who between, wants to be asleep at 8.30? No, but I'm just picking a number. Between Maybe 8 10. and 9. Okay, if you want to be asleep at 10, you're going to be asleep between 9.30 and 10.30 yep. plus or minus. Um, and I, I think you'll find that the uh, the research suggests that consistency is probably the most important thing out of anything. Yeah. Um, and yeah. Which Although sucks r- if you're a routines, shift worker. Routine sounds kind of boring, but mm-hmm. it also aligns with the body, which is the body is rhythmic. And rhythmic is just routine. Mm-hmm. So if we can align it all up, it works a lot better. Yeah. I mean, I used to think that routine was really boring and I wanted every day to be exciting. But I think you you can make every day exciting within the boundaries of routine. Routine makes things efficient Mm. um, and you can make progress. No, routine doesn't have to be boring. Like every Tuesday we have tacos now Mm -hmm. that your prep is off. Mm -hmm. And I love that even though it's our routine, I look forward to tacos every single week. I I also think it makes our routine about eating more enjoyable also. Because we've got stuff to look forward to. We always have something to look forward to. So like part of working in for us is, yeah, we do work in tacos every Tuesday yep. and we do work in uh, a dinner out every Saturday. Yeah. And know? for the record, uh, I have two tacos and chips. That's way more than what my calories will allow unless I eat like a pigeon during the day, which I don't want to. So I just have 
the meat and veg portion of the taco, which I still really like. It's just the most bit. The most bit. I don't eat the bread. I ask for no cheese, all that stuff. And I, you know, I have a good serve of chips as well. So I'm still eating my meat and veg for dinner with chips on the side, but I love it. Like, yeah. would I like to eat it with the bread? Probably. But do I want to give up the calories in other things during the day and be hungry all day? No. This is the beauty. So, you choose your level of restraint. Exactly. So it's it's not that it's right or wrong to have a high calorie meal and take it out later or whatever. It's just like, that's not what I want to do. And I know what my boundaries are and I figure out what my preferences are within those boundaries and do that. Yeah. Routine doesn't have to be boring. Like uh, I've said this many times. I know a lot of people in my position have said this many times. People are like, don't you get sick of kind of eating the same thing every day? I'm like, no, because I eat things I genuinely love. Yeah. And then when you are sick of kiwis and you want to eat mandarins. Yeah. You know, but it's the same thing. It's like, you know, every day I have the same, pretty much the food, give or take 5%. And then I have tacos. So now I'm like, cool, that's my my different meal today. Yeah. Back on the on the thing, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and then, oh, free meal on Saturday. You, you definitely uh, have far more routine than I do with Absolutely. nutrition in the sense that you do eat the same meals every day. Like, you yeah. know, on Monday, exactly all the meals you're going to eat until Monday next week. Whereas I know every meal will have meat and have veg. Maybe it'll be rice, maybe it'll be potatoes, maybe yeah. it'll be chicken, maybe it'll be beef. Like, I don't know. But I, I still am eating within boundaries. I just have more freedom. Yeah, you're choosing within groups, essentially, of like acceptable limits of protein, carbs, and fats. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Whereas I'm just hitting the specifics because I don't want to have to think about but it. But we're different people. Like, I'm just a gym rat. You know, I'm just trying to look a bit above average. You're actually a competitive athlete. I'm a gym athlete. gorilla. Yeah. <laughs> I'm a rat, you're a gorilla. So you need to be more specific. Yeah, absolutely. You know, like, so anyways. We tailor the lifestyle to the goal. We do. Um, I hope this has been helpful, everyone. Obviously, we're going to wrap up with a less shit tip and a would you rather and all that shiznit. Mm. Um, But I should mention that if you do want to learn more, you want to know what your individual needs are for a cut, gain, or a maintain, you want to learn about hunger management, check out, uh, I think I've put it live already, you can register or you can reserve your spot in the next round of the Cut Gain Maintain e-course. So go to the website, the courses and... Probably put that in the links below. Yeah, I'll put it in the show links. Courses show and memberships or something and just yeah. follow the links from there. <laughs> wow, that was a mess. You've done good on that. Um, okay, Dean. Less shit tip first. Less shit tip. The less shit tip, as you said, minimise the size of the barrier that you're trying to fucking hurdle in your life when you're trying to make a change. Work it in. That's the less shit tip. We just gave him like what forty minutes of less shit tips. It's pretty straightforward. Find yeah, find ways to intertwine what you small need to changes do. of what you need to do with things that you already do, so it doesn't feel like you're having to change your life. You're before. already eating. Make it protein and veg dominant. Yeah. You know, you're already going to the gym. Maybe park a kilometer away and walk there. You're yeah. already calling your friend or your mom. Just walk Go while you walk. walk. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Super simple. Something we're sharing. Do you have something? I do if you don't. Fire away. Yeah? No, you can. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, this is kind of yours. I don't know who thought of it. Dean loves white chocolate macadamia cookies from Coles. Woolies mm. also sell them now too. Yes, And I, do. I don't know who came up with it, but one of us put it in the air fryer. Was it me? Was it uh, I think I may have. Maybe I started putting them in the oven first and then we got the new air fryer. We've always rebaked them. Yeah. Anyways, yeah. if you get already made cookies... It doesn't specifically have to be these macadamia white chocolate cookies. Put them in the oven. But it should be. Put them in the oven or the air fryer for a few minutes until they go golden brown. They're going to be really soft at first, but goddamn, they're good. 
Yeah, they just, yeah, they kind of fall apart a bit when they're really, um, really. So you're going to need like a spatula to, to slide underneath them to get them out. Yeah. Um, or just put them on baking paper if you can, and, and then pull the whole baking paper out of the oven or the air fry if it's not on fire. Um, and then let them let them sit for like two to three minutes so they get a little bit crispy on the outside. Then you'll be able to pick them up and then you'll be able to devour. They are so like they're good without being rebaked, but once you rebake them, much better. Yeah. yeah. They're real good. Yeah. That's my something worth sharing, Dean. That's a, that's worth sharing. Now, I've got a random question before. Would you rather question? I'm Unless ready. you have one for me. No, no. You're, you're running the show today. Am I? Mm. Okay. Do you have or have you had any really weird crushes that would be embarrassing? Hmm. Like on a person or well, like, thing? Did you ever have a crush on like Oprah Winfrey? Or... No, I don't think so. What about even as a kid? I never really watched. I never did the cartoon crush, which some people have done. Oh, I have. I feel like I may have been moderately interested in Tomb Raider, Lara Croft. Oh, she's pretty hot. I don't blame you. Yeah. Um, but no, I don't remember. I mean, I, I probably crush harder but non-sexually on men than I do on women. You actually do crush on men. Like I crushed women. pretty hard on uh, David Beckham as a soccer player. That's embarrassing. I've crushed pretty damn hard on Mark Wahlberg as an actor. And not my type, but Denzel Washington is by far my favourite actor of all time. And there's an absolutely no sexual connotation. <laughs> zero. No? Yeah. There's, there's zero movement. I do think that everyone is a little bit gay, though. Like, well, maybe because I think I'm 95% straight, but there's 5% of me that, like, probably would make out with a really hot girl. There's no, I'm willing, to, I'm willing to admit when men are attractive or have sex with you. But do you define them as sexy? But they don't give me any kind of, yeah. Nothing? Sexual gratification. Nothing? Nah. Like, The Rock is a masculine man. Okay. Good read. Cool dude. I would have to agree with you, Dean. But he doesn't make the hairs on the back of my neck stand up. Okay. All right. Dean straight, everyone. It has been confirmed. Mm. Um, okay, would you rather? Would you like to give me one? No, you're good. you do these on a daily. You're so good at them. Okay. And as we've already established, I have no spontaneity, so I can't come up with one <laughs> on the spot. Well, I didn't. I actually thought of this one this morning. Yeah. Um, would you rather burp your farts or fart your sneezes? Shall I ask questions? All right, go on. Can I taste the farts? Yes. Can other people smell the farts? Yes. They're regular farts, but you're burping them. Is the burp under my breath or is it loud? Whatever the fart is. Oh. Do I have control? Yeah, of course. Oh, okay. Like reg the regular farts out of your mouth. You have control. Sometimes they're loud when you think they're not going to be. <laughs> yeah, burp that burns your throat. Yeah, no idea. <laughs> but um, also. But, okay. But then, or I'm farting my burps. You're farting your sneezes. Sneezes. And the level of violence of those changes too, depending on the level of tickle. Yeah. Does, does my butthole tickle when I'm about to sneeze? Exactly like a normal sneeze, yeah. And the snot comes out. Okay, that's risky. <laughs> oh, I didn't know. Oh. See, yeah. and my, my initial thought is to say You'll I have definitely, to blow your nose. I definitely want to fart my sneezes because I don't want to taste fart. No. I mean, yeah, I don't want to burp and taste fart, nor do I want people to think that's coming out of my mouth. <laughs> But do you have to worry about cleaning your pants every time you sneeze? It's so great. What a conundrum. How often do I burp? And can I do it? Burp? 
I'm asking you to burp your farts. I know, but I'm saying the question how, is often, how often do you fart? No, I'm asking myself how often do I burp? Sneeze. No, burp fart. <laughs> how often do I currently burp? Fart. Normally. No, normally fart. No, no, no. This is what I'm saying. Listen to me. <laughs> how often do I burp versus how often do I fart? Okay. And which one's going to cause me more heartache? Okay. I think I'm going to burp farts. Not sneeze. You do sneeze kind of frequently, though. You have allergies. Uh, not for ages. And anyone can you, tell you that most people fart more than people know. So which one are you doing? I'm going to burp farts. But you fart so frequently. And I'm not saying you're a particularly farty person, but people fart all No, but your burping frequency is what is maintained, not your farting frequency. No, I would think that it's your farting frequency. No, 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 no. Now if, your no, farts no, no. come the only thing that changes is the type of burp, and it's a fart burp. All right, that's not what I was imagining when I asked. Whereas, the if you if you are fart sneezing, that's happening as frequently okay. as you normally sneeze. Well, look, Dean, that's not how I thought of the question because I figured every time you need to fart, it now comes out of your mouth. Does that change things? That changes things, and I would sneeze. Okay, farts, okay. fart sneezes. You would fart your sneezes. Yeah. And can, can you, can I? Have we lost everyone? Could you imagine? Is anyone still listening? Could you imagine covering your butt every time you went to sleep? You know, like, would, would people still say, bless you? And how would you, like, can you clench hard enough to block it? Like, <laughs> you know, like. Oh, that's so great. You know, sometimes like you pinch. So just, no, but are we saying that we are farting as frequently as you would normally fart if you're burping farts? Yes. Or are you burping as frequently as you would burp, but it's now just a fart? No, so the now, other way around. Oh. Yeah, you're going with fart sneezes. Yeah. Okay, Dean. Oh, that's all my questions. That was actually think... better than that. Actually, went further than I expected because <laughs> I re- I originally thought you definitely, but no, definitely thought you would fart your sneezes. We're moving on. Yeah, yeah. I feel right. I feel like everyone's either asleep, hates us, or uh, has turned this podcast off. So. Well, if you made it this far, what would you do? <laughs> I would like everybody actually, if you're listening on uh, the podcasts or even YouTube, take a screenshot. Tag us in it and tell us, fart, burp, or sneeze, fart? Mm. Wait. No, fart, sneeze, or, no. or burp, fart? Yeah. yeah. Fart, sneeze, or burp, fart? Comment below if you're on YouTube. Yeah, comment below on YouTube. And, and, and screenshot the podcast and... And tag us and write your answer on social media. Yeah. I love it. As always, subscribe, like, share, give us a review. Thumbs up, five stars, all that jazz. Yeah. All right, guys, I do hope this has been helpful. Slip it in, guys. Slip it in. And we're going to slip on out. We are. All right. Yeah. Bye.